Many of you might know that in my testimony, I was a school teacher and uh, was trained as a school teacher and have been to lots and lots of nativity plays and organized lots of nativity plays. And uh, it's quite unusual um, that uh, it is quite interesting. Uh, I, was, I was teaching uh, one time in an infant school. Uh, or uh, just lower junior school, should I say. And uh, the people that were chosen for Mary and Joseph didn't like each other. (laughs) And so halfway through the nativity play, Mary was heard to say to Joseph, don't push me. (laughs) And Joseph said, you have to go over there. And then unfortunately... Mary picked up the baby Jesus and whacked Joseph across the face. It was a highlight. I was kind of worried for the Holy Family that they'd stay together and that Jesus would be safe. And this is a famous illustration. However, uh, what happened to me next, but this is actually a true one. And many people have even made films of this, but I've actually seen this. In an infant school that I was, uh, this is lower infant school that I was uh, practicing teaching at, and um, what they wanted to do is to involve all the traditions of Christmas, so adding lots of things in, you know, like you need your grandparents, and the Yorkshire pudding, and your turkey, and then the presents, and then the traditions that people have, and this actually happened. One of the younger teachers said, oh, we've got lots and lots of stuff. At that time, the Spice Girls were number one. You know, so we've got to have the Spice Girls, and they had four Spice Girls uh, come on in and put everything in and, and so on, and they began, and the, one of the younger teachers actually did this. He said, oh, we're getting a bit crowded, and she moved the baby Jesus to the side. <laughs> and uh, and uh, and it was kind of a, almost a prophetic moment, you know, that with all the stuff that we do to move Jesus to the side, to make more room for the other stuff. Well, we come by today to say we're not moving Jesus from the center, are we? we we're going to make it so that Jesus is the reason for the season. And today, what I'd like to do, I want to read you the text and preach out of the text because what I think sometimes I do is I know these stories so well, I miss some details. Because when you know something familiar, you can kind of miss it, can't you? So will you turn with me to the Gospel of Luke, uh, the book of Luke. If you've not got a Bible, uh, it'll be up on the screen as well. Luke chapter 1. And I want you to keep it open uh, from verse 26, and we'll read to a longer passage in verse 38. Is that okay? It's okay to read the Bible, isn't it, on Christmas week. By the way, next week, Kathy and I are really looking forward to host Christmas morning, and we've got, we're going to kind of tag team preach, and so that'll be nice on Christmas morning. Do tune in online if you can't get here. Are you there in Luke chapter 1, verse 26? It says this, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. Now the virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and would what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. 
But you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants. You see how we've gone from details to amazing things? Forever, his kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so that the Holy One will, will be born, uh, will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she, uh, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. Have you noticed that little nugget in the middle of the story? No word from God will ever fail. It's a beautiful promise for Christmas. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. If you look at verse 45 in chapter 1 of Luke, it says uh, uh, Elizabeth sings about Mary or talks about Mary and says, Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promise to her. I wonder if that could be sung over your life. That you believe the promises that God wants to fulfill in your life. If you skip over to Luke chapter 2, Verse 33, it says that the child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. After they were in the temple, and Simeon and Anna had prophesied, they were marveling about what was said. And then lastly, it says that, that his mother treasured all these things in her heart. That's in Luke chapter 2, verse 51. You see, it's fun having the nativity, and it's fun doing the fun, but what the Bible wants us to know, and what... I want to kind of talk to you about today that this is more than an allegory or symbolism. That actually the events are real and earthed here on earth. The, if you look in the first few, in the first three sentences from verse 26, if you look there, there are 12 pieces, 12 pieces of information that in just three sentences that, that the Bible wants us to pick up. First of all, we are told that Elizabeth, uh, uh, there's, a, there's a pregnancy going on and it's in the sixth month. It's just coming into the third trimester of that. And, when the, and then Elizabeth is named, but it's Elizabeth. And then we are told this is happening in, in uh, this announcement is happening in Nazareth. And if you're not sure where Nazareth is, it's in the district of Galilee. And then the, the very private Information is given, the developmental status of Mary is given that, that she is a virgin. It's quite private information. And then straight away it moves on and says, but her marital status is that she's unmarried. She's betrothed, she's engaged, but she is an unmarried woman. And then we're given the name to whom she's betrothed, it's Joseph. And, and so the information keeps coming. And about Joseph, he's from David's line. 
and that uh, Joseph's heritage is named. And then finally, we're giving the name of the young woman. Her name is Mary. And then uh, the, the Bible translates straight away to spiritual information. You are highly favored. There's, there's something that God has put on to your life. And then the assurance is given, the Lord is with you. Information after information after information. And then we get to the spiritual state. It's almost like Luke is filling out a form. What happened? Where did it happen? Nazareth, in Galilee, to Joseph, descendant of David. It's all very, very precise. And here's the message in that. The message is that God wants you to know that this is not symbolism, that this is a real happening in a real world with real people in a real place happening with them. And actually one of the Christmas uh, messages and themes that we should embrace to ourselves that God wants to be a real person to real people happening right now in our world, God wants to be able to communicate with you. That actually we're not talking allegory or symbolism that God wants to be real because he's a real person to you. Mary knew that something special was going on. She, she was troubled. In fact, the, verse 29 says that Mary was greatly troubled at these words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. It's really important that you understand as, as a community of faith that actually when God shares his plans with us that sometimes it's okay to be troubled. It's okay to be unnerved. But God assures her and says, you've got favor. And I wonder today whether you're coming into this Christmas season with your heart feeling a little bit empty, a little bit beaten up, a little bit worried about the state of the world, but I wonder if you could understand that you have favor by the grace of our Lord Jesus, that he actually has conveyed favor on you, not by what we've done, but we have favor upon us. And she was assured again. And then the Bible goes on in this very precise account, and, and God's leading us to something here that she's given the process of what's going to happen next. The angel says, you're going to conceive, then you're going to give birth, and then you're going to give a name. You're going to conceive, there's going to be a birth, and then you're going to name Jesus. And often I've found that's how God's will comes about in our lives, that something's conceived in us, then it's birthed, and they have to call it out and say what it is. But after all this process and all these details, we get to how the baby is described. And he's described in absolutely huge terms. He's called great. He's called son of the most high. He has the throne of David, which is the highest title in, in an Israel community. He will reign over Jacob's descendants. And his kingdom will never end. I want you to notice something today. That Luke takes us from the absolute minute details. This is in Nazareth, in Galilee. Your name is Mary. His name is Joseph. You're the descendant of David. 
Elizabeth's in the sixth month, not the fourth month or the fifth month, the sixth month. We go from these absolute details and uh, minutia of what's going on to show that it's all real. And then Luke takes us to the large promises and the destiny of what it's all about. That he's great. He's the son of the Most High. He's got the throne of David. He will rule Jacob's descendants. His kingdom will never end. You know what I found? I found that that's what God wants to move us to. That often he wants to move us from the small details of being a Christian to the large promises and destiny, the the larger reasons why we are in the faith. I wonder today if you're so consumed with the details of how to do this and you are stepping back and not seeing, or that you need to step back and see some of the larger plans that God has for your life. I wonder if, like Mary, you can begin to say, well, this is going to happen, but look, this is why it's going to happen. You know, I don't know what you're like on Christmas Day, whether or not you're, you're kind of making sure that the roast potatoes are absolutely crispy, whether the gravy's the right thickness, whether the stuffing, and there's going to be somebody in the house that says, oh, I don't like stuffing, whether your pigs in blanket are just the right crispiness. There are people all over the place now just talking about, oh, no, I don't like those. And of course, whether the sprouts... Be careful, Scott. Be careful, Scott. There's nothing wrong with sprouts. They're all God's children, after all. All God's <laughs> But I wonder sometimes, in trying to get everything right, maybe sometimes we miss the whole reason for the season is Jesus and loving the ones that we love. Maybe it's time in our Christian lives that we excuse me, got out of some of the details and got into some of the destiny. Of course, the details are important. And God will always work in the small things in our lives. But I wonder today whether you can step back and begin to think, God, what is my destiny? Mary could have been consumed with I'm going to have a baby. I'm going to do this. And of course, those things are really important. But the angel said, but this is going to be huge. And I wonder if we've reduced our lives down to, I need to get this done. I need to do that. And I need to do that. And of course, we've got things to do. But I wonder if this Christmas season is a time where we all step back and say, God, where is my destiny going? You see, when God speaks to us, I often find that it, that it involves two things. And I want you to try and hear this and, and catch this as, as best you can. You see, Mary said this. She had a question. How will this be? She didn't say why or what or when or why me. She actually said, well, how will this be? And, and God gave her an answer on two levels. And I often find that this is how God speaks. He said something that was a mystery. He said, You're going to conceive when the power of the Holy Spirit overshadows you. I don't really know how that works theologically, but 
The giver of life comes into her womb and breathes life miraculously. And life sparks and just begins, but you can't see it or analyze it in a sense. It's the miraculous part of Christmas. And I want to say to you that I still believe in a virgin birth. And this church believes in a virgin birth. And we won't spiritualize it away. Can I hear an amen, church? We believe in miracles here. Because there is a miraculous part of how God works. But did you notice also that what he says to Mary was something of an earthly reality too? And I often find this is what, how God works. That When he spoke to her, he said, you can't see all that the Holy Spirit's doing. But what you can see is Elizabeth, she's six months along. And you can go and see that. You can touch that. You can see that that's real. And I've often found that that's how God speaks. He speaks in a miraculous way. And then there's something on earth that confirms how he speaks. There's something that we can see him doing. You see, if you want to see and think whether or not, is this really God speaking to me? You need to look for what God is already doing. It was already doing the pregnancy of Elizabeth. It was an amazing thing. She shouldn't have had it. It wasn't that it was just ordinary, but it was an amazing thing. I wonder today if you're wrestling with something that you think God wants you to do, what's God already doing? You see, the first thing that Mary did is she measured. Is this God? What's happening on earth? I hear lots of people talk to me, and uh, some people come to me and say, I've got this ministry or that ministry, but actually there's no evidence on earth that God is bringing that fruit. With Mary, there was the miraculous, mysterious part, and there always is. But then there's this earthly thing that she could see. How about you in your life? If you think God's speaking to you, what's he already doing? What's he showing you already Mary's response was great, wasn't it? I mean, God says some things, doesn't he, to people, and you think, really? Can you imagine being one of Abraham's servants when Abraham came back and said, we need to circumcise everybody? You think, really? Can we, can we, not, just, can we not just have a different haircut? I mean, if I'd have been Mary, I'd have been, really? God does say incredible things. But Mary comes by and says, I am your servant. Do what you will. That's her response. Do as you've said. And, and really, in a sense, that's the attitude we've got to foster over this Christmas time. So let me just kind of, I'm going to kind of come into land and just say, well, how can we be more like Mary? How can we be, have more of that attitude that says, I'm going to embrace what you're doing? I think she did three things. First of all, Mary trusted the promises said to her. Verse 45 says, Blessed is she who has believed in the Lord that he would fulfill her promises. 
I, I wonder today if we could be a little bit more like Mary and begin to embrace some of the things that God has already said to us. That he has said that we are highly favored in grace. I wonder whether or not, instead of Mary having this one episode of, of great dedication, actually we see that she kept this dedication going throughout her whole life, and I'll show you that in a moment. But first of all, if we're going to be a little bit more like Mary, I wonder if we need to begin to trust the promises that God has already said and begin to embrace that. The second thing that Mary seemed to have in her locker and in her life was that, you know, we've been having this kind of debate, haven't we? What did Mary know? No, wasn't Gina great last week? If you were here, you know, Mary, did you know? I can't, I can't sing like Gina. You know, she was amazing, wasn't she? As everybody was, actually. You know, Mary, did you know your baby? What, you know, walk on water, the blind will see, the dead will rise. Of course she didn't know all of that. But here's the quality about Mary. When we see Joseph and Mary going to the temple and hearing what Simeon said, Hearing what Anna said, it says this, that the child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And I wonder today whether or not we are prepared to be open to not only to believe the promises that we have received, but that actually we begin to grow into and be open to the revelation that we haven't received. When they got to the temple and they got there, they, they didn't know. And there, there was more revelation given to them and they began to say, well, we are learning, we are open. How about it this year? In this Christmas story, I wonder if you can say, in the new year, I am going to make sure that I am receiving more than some things that maybe I don't know. And there may be timely reminders of what you do know given to you in a fresh way, but I wonder if you, like Mary, could say, hey, I am willing to step into more of what you have. Yes, church? The third thing about Mary that I notice. First of all, she believed the promises. Secondly, she was open to new revelation. But thirdly, she guarded that which and stewarded that which she was receiving. In fact, the word where it says the mother treasured these things, the word treasure means to steward, to guard, to begin to look over and, and to be protective over. It wasn't just the word treasure, you know, oh, you're such a treasure, oh, that's really nice. It's actually a much stronger word than that. And it was that she was careful what she said about Jesus. She was careful how she handled Jesus. She was careful about the story of Jesus. And actually, as well as measuring what God is doing and seeing what he's doing, we need to treasure what God is doing. I wonder if you're careful about what God is doing in your life. And the way that we speak about each other, the way that we speak about church, the way that we speak about what God is doing. You see, all the way through, 
uh, Jesus' life. We see Mary popping up. We see, we see her popping up at the Cana of Galilee wedding. And she says to the servants, do whatever he tells you to. We see her popping up with his brothers who didn't believe are trying to connect them to Jesus. And Jesus actually saying, well, you can't come and see me right now. But we see that Mary is at the cross with John the disciple. And, and Jesus says, look after my mother and mother here is your son we see her consistently popping up all the way through Jesus's life and actually we see her in the upper room Acts chapter 1 verse 13 look it up she is part of the praying company that is waiting on the Lord you see Mary treasured what God was doing she guarded it. And I wonder if the way that we speak, the way that we feel, the way that we steward and pastor the work of God here, the way that we are about church, the way that we are about God and our relationship, I wonder if we're treasuring it. Jesus was treasured by Mary. Not only did she believe the promises of the past, not only did she want to be open to new revelation, but that which was happening now, she held it carefully and said, it's not that it's insecure, but it said, I want to get the most out of this that I can get. Treasure it. So you've got to measure it. You've got to treasure it. And all the way through her life, she took pleasure in what God was doing. And if you want to be like Mary today, I wonder if you could measure what God is doing. Say, God, what are you doing? Treasure what God is doing. And take pleasure in what God is doing. This time of year when we're all so busy, it can kind of be a little bit arduous doing all the things that we do. But step back and begin to say and enjoy, God, I'm taking pleasure in what you're doing in my life. You've got a great destiny for me. You've got a great plan for me. I've had great struggles this year, but God, I believe that as we go into the new year, you've got great things for me. How many of you would want to be able to begin to say, I want to take pleasure in what you're doing? You see, Proverbs tells us, above all else, guard your heart. Above all else, guard your heart from everything you do flows from your heart. Paul said to Timothy, God, that's what's been entrusted to you. Turn away from godless chatter and opposing ideas of what's falsely called science. You know, you have had lots of input this year, but one of the things that I do at the Christmas season as well as being excited and being involved, one of the things that I do is take a step back and reflect on all that God is doing. I wonder if you could stand with me just for a moment. And I wonder today whether you could hear this message. God came to a real place, to real people, because he wanted to deal with real people here in the world today.
And if you're here today and you've been thinking about God and wondering about the purpose of your life, let me tell you something. Instead of worrying about all the details, and those are important, and God will always be involved in the details. But I wonder if you could step back and hear this. God has an enormous, huge destiny for you. Now, the fact that destiny may not mean that you're never famous. It may mean that you are completely anonymous in this life, but you will be significant. You will make the difference and be the difference to many people. Would you lift your hand with me and just begin to say, God, I embrace the destiny. You see, some of us have been worrying about the details. Some of us have been concerned about, are you doing this, God? Are you doing that, God? And all the while, God's saying, step back and see the bigger plan. Open up to the new revelation. Be the person that can walk in larger plans. Man, he's going to walk with you through the absolute details of some of the things that you're going through. And there'll be small things that will be confirmations. But all of those serve the larger plan of Jesus. So I wonder if you today could begin to say, where are you going, God? I wonder if you today could begin to treasure what God is doing in your life. I wonder if you today could begin to say, God, I take pleasure in serving you. See, if you want to be like Mary, step back and take pleasure in what he's doing.